Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tafara Jamian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's There's no no such such thing thing as as bad bad food. food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. For example, perhaps two different groups of people can occupy the same bit of land without one having to dominate it. Yeah. Hypothetically. (laughs) Hypothetically. Nation states are bullshit. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on how nation states are bullshit and on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of the area. Indeed. So nation states are bullshit, but mustard is a condiment. Exactly. That's Uh, the binary that we live with. Wait, wait, wait. So is is mustard like uh, like Asia or like um, Europe or like which condiment is it? Well, that's actually an interesting question and does kind of get us into the history of mustard a little bit. Like, I know you were making a dumb joke, but... It's all I got in me tonight. All I got in me is half-assed bad jokes. Oh, you know what, though? Before we really get into it, Uh I want to give a little shout-out to something that happened in our Patreon Discord. Yeah, okay. A.K.A. the place you could join for as little as a dollar a month. One of our patrons said that yeah aslam our patron aslam said one of the things that he learns from the show is that Teffer wants to eat a lot of things that aren't food just because they look crunchy mm-hmm. which a did not realize that that came through so strongly in the show oh really <laughs> but this is this is definitely this is definitely a characteristic of mine oh, is yeah. looking at non-food items also sounds there are sounds I want to eat because they sound crunchy. Interesting. Um, That's like a cursed synesthesia kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I have a few little funky synesthesia things. But like, <laughs> shout out Aslam. Uh, I felt seen by that. Sure. And hey, if you want to join in the conversation, you know what to do. Do they? Go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. You know what else is a nice little garnish? Nice little zesty addition to your everyday drudgery. Mustard? Mustard. 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 <laughs> mustard. Mustard. Uh, yeah. So typically when we talk about mustard, we're talking about a couple of different things, right? We're talking about a condiment mm-hmm. made out of mustard seeds. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're talking specifically about mustard seeds, mm-hmm. uh, which as you guessed it, are the seeds of the mustard plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could also be talking about the mustard plant in its various forms. But really, today, we're going to be focusing mostly on the condiment, Mm -hmm. uh, all the different ways that it presents itself. But, you know, we will probably give a nod to the plants other uses as well while we're at it. Especially because I grow mustard greens frequently. Yeah. They're really yummy. Well, and because you can't talk about mustard as a condiment without talking about the plant. Watch me. Is that a challenge? I mean, I just don't think it's... Is that a challenge? I don't think it's a worthy a worthy challenge. I heard a challenge. A worthy is how you pronounce that word. I can talk about mustard without once talking about the plant. Really? No. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. the, but that's me specifically. <laughs> like, I feel like there are definitely people out there who don't realize mustard is a plant. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there are definitely people who are like, huh, funny that that plant is also called mustard. It must taste like mustard. It's it's funny because, like, I think I knew mustard came from seeds long before I made the connection that that meant that there was a plant attached to it. I think you made that connection when I grew it on our balcony. I think like probably at some point I heard the phrase mustard greens and that mm. was when I realized like oh of course. But like, like when I said I think I'm going to grow some mustard greens yeah, on the balcony before I, be, I ordered the mustard seeds. Yeah, yeah, I would be willing to believe that it was like sometime since we got together certainly. Like I think I spent a good chunk of my life just knowing mustard and mustard seed. Yeah. And like you know, I don't always think about how seeds come from plants. I'm going to be honest about that. Nobody does. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, I don't think I've ever thought about a caraway plant. Sure, but it's got to exist, It's got to exist. I could probably grow one by planting some caraway seeds. Yeah. But I have never thought about a caraway plant. Poppy seeds, I think of as being connected to a plant only because I know that the poppy is a flower. And because you get nervous every time I grow poppies in our garden because you think I'm going to accidentally grow opium and we'll get arrested. I do. Every time. I do get a little nervous about that. I don't grow opium poppies in our garden. Allegedly. Sesame is another one of those ones that like, I don't, I don't ever want to see a sesame plant. (laughs) Like, as far as I'm concerned, sesame does not grow on a plant. That's just a seed. All right. So I guess we're never going to the Middle East. Oh, no. Speaking of, nope. I was going to say speaking of never going to the Middle East, but I, I that's not actually a great segue. Oh, no. (laughs) Are we about to talk about the Silk Road? (laughs) No, I actually just want to tell you a little bit about the history of mustard. All right, tell me about the history of mustard. <laughs> <laughs> tell you all about the history of mustard. Is this going to be a lot like salt? No. Okay, cool. I, I, this one's maybe a little more interesting than salt. Because right. unlike salt, mustard doesn't like appear on rocks and in oceans and what? in living beings. It comes from a plant. I thought we just talked about just this. grew like a slime mold on rocks. No, it comes Can from a seed. Can you <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Just shut my mouth. Oh, Tell me about the history of mustard. You're thinking of mustard. Terrible. <laughs> Bad joke. All right. Mustard. <laughs> Let me tell you about the history of mustard. So. Mustard in its condiment form dates back to, and I may butcher the pronunciation on this, and I apologize, the Zhou Dynasty in China, which goes back as far as like 1000 BCE, mm-hmm. where they used it like primarily as kind of an aperitif in okay. the royal courts. Uh, so, you know, a little snack before bringing out the main meal. Uh, and that was more of a mustard paste. Mm-hmm. Um, not dissimilar, I think, to the sort of Chinese mustard that you get sometimes from like takeout places. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a little thicker but it's not like grainy necessarily. The plant and its seeds eventually traveled from China through Russia, which makes sense. And then at some point from Russia into Europe, kind of gradually with like Russian czars and and merchants moving it toward Europe, toward like France and Italy Mm -hmm. and, and England eventually. With the Gauls and the Romans, like adopting it pretty widely into their cuisines by about 1200 CE. So over the course of about 2200 years or so. By the 1300s, it made its way into England. So, Mm -hmm. you know, fair enough, about 100 years after it got to the rest of Europe. Uh, And in 1320, there was a historical English cookbook, which we've talked about on the show before. Do you remember what the name of this book was? Is this by Maud Cook? No. No, that one was later. This is The Farm of Curie. Do you remember this? No, but tell me, please. Uh, So we've we've talked about The Farm of Curie before. Uh, It is a a historical English cookbook. Is Uh, it about curry? 
Uh, no, I think I think it's like kuri, like like cooking in old time. Oh, like old timey kuri. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, and anyway, in the form of kuri, <laughs> which I pronounce like that because <laughs> they that put your... an e at the end of form, which to me. Wait, wait, wait! Can I see how it's spelled? Because this would have been, this was before the great vowel shift, so this would have still been Middle English. Ooh. So it would be the form of kuri. I think it's been perfect. A, it's perfect. been a long time since I did Middle English. That's okay. It's been uh, a long time since the English did Middle English. But I really do. I I love those. There's the great vowel shift, right, in the 1600s, 1500s, right. and nobody actually knows how or why it happened. <laughs> nobody knows. But at some point in that period, the way people speak English changed completely. So like. Like Shakespeare is post great vowel shift, and that's right. why we can understand it pretty well. Yeah. Whereas, like Gawain and the Green Knight, or like Beowulf is even older, mm-hmm. is the old version where, like, when you read it, you're kind of like, I don't really know what this. <laughs> I can like understand some of these words. Anyway, <clears throat> what is Kiri? So Middle English, like some of it comes from French, and you can recognize that. But then a lot of it comes from like Scandinavian languages right, yeah. that don't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yes. The, the firm of Curie. Yeah, so in the firm of Curie, <laughs> they recommend turning mustard into like a paste ball almost. Uh, so there's like recipes in there uh, or a like recipe in there. Just mustard? No. So so they turn it into a big ball. I would imagine like a tennis ball, but I'm not sure. Whoa, okay. okay. Uh, and then you would store that. Uh, and portion it out as needed, kind of like you would have like a bottle of vinegar, you'd have a ball uh-huh. of mustard. Would they bind it with like an animal fat or something? I'm assuming maybe, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they would also combine it with horseradish to give it a little <laughs> extra potency. <laughs> and presumably also to give it a little extra like pres- preservation. I don't I know, horseradish like is strong, If right? you had a little tiny ball instead of a big ball, if you had like a little ball, like a lozenge-sized ball... Mm. And you put that in your mouth, if you had sinusitis, it would be gone immediately. Maybe. I think if you ate a little ball of horseradish and ground mustard, (laughs) you would no longer be sick. Honestly, I would be willing to believe that the reason they make it into a big ball and store it like that is because that way only the outside of it kind of gets like yucky and you can kind of chip that off and dig in and get a little bit of the good stuff. Oh yeah, probably. But I think actually maybe they just ate it like an apple. That's foul, but maybe. (laughs) Um, a side note about mustard and horseradish. That's a beautiful combo. I don't know that that's like every Dijon is made that way, mm-hmm. but my favorite ones all have a little bit of horseradish yeah. in there. Yeah. Another thing, actually, an interesting thing, as long as we're talking about like mm-hmm. medieval English cookery, um, kiri. Kiri, and the importance of condiments, mm-hmm. uh, like your big ball of mustard is that what most people ate including royalty so a lot of the time we think of like medieval royalty as eating great joints of roasted game at every meal sure. uh but that's not really like like meat was scarce meat was for special occasions at yeah. all class levels you might have something like like jerky or something but people ate pottage uh, which was pottage? pottage is a vegetable stew essentially that is mostly peas, mostly okay. made from dried peas or lentils. Sure, sort of like dal. Yeah, um, well, I think a f- version of that lives on in French food today as potage. potage. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but like that was mostly what everybody ate. Most people were eating like legume mush every okay. day as their daily food. 
uh, with like bread or with boiled grain or with whatever you had. Sure. Um, so having a condiment to flavor it mm-hmm. is extremely nice so if you're eating your pottage and your bread it's really nice to have a little sharp horseradish to cut through all the starch that you're eating because you need to get your calories from somewhere right (laughs) right yeah anyway fun detour i like that medieval condiments medieval condiments that's Um, that's fun but like pickles right pickles were big and like yeah just anything that has kind of that that sharpness of flavor because Mm -hmm. It's it cuts through and makes things more fun. Yeah, and and spoiler alert for later, but like pickles often have mustard seed yeah. in the brine, and that is like a beautiful, delightful little addition to to the pickle. Well, and also if you think about it, like uh, chili peppers were mm. not in Europe yet. Sure, you didn't have the vegetable spice. You had spice from radishes, and people ate like radishes and onions a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you did have peppercorns coming on the Silk Road, but again, those would be expensive. Mustard you can grow in your garden, right? So right. there's also like, what is the availability of flavor? What is the availability of spice? Yeah, well, and you probably know the answer to this by virtue of being someone who grows plants. Am I right to assume mustard not the hardest to grow? Super easy. So this okay. is one of the reasons I grow it is because it grows really well on a balcony. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. it will grow anywhere. Like right. you throw, I grow one's uh, uh, black mustard seeds. Uh, it's a Russian, no, it's a Japanese mustard green that I grow, okay. uh, Miyazuma. It's lovely. Highly recommend. Yeah, you plant it. And the other thing with mustard greens is that they grow, much like other hardy greens, they grow um, at the beginning and end of the growing season. Okay. So they you get very early greens from them, and yeah. then you get late greens from them, and you get your seeds. Right, um, right. So they're a really, really nice crop to have. Somewhere temperate, like England, I'm sure they grow very well year-round. Sure, sure. Here, it, when it gets really hot in the middle of the summer, they'll do what's called bolting, which is they put their flowers up really really fast okay. to try and get their seeds out because they think they're going to die right. um, and then the greens can get really bitter <laughs> and not as as tasty because the plant is focusing all its energy on making seeds okay but you can also like you can plant mustard greens again in like july august and get another crop of them before the end of the year oh uh, that's cool which i did when i grew right, them. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'll grow them again this year yeah mm-hmm. no no objection to that here so yes mustard not hard to grow if you have the space for it, it will also self-seed. Mm-hmm. It will, like, I got volunteer mustards the next year, uh, and it'll spread like crazy. So, like, yes, not hard to grow, likes a temperate climate, and also is just a really tasty green. And, like, again, I know we've talked about this before, but, like, greens are money mm-hmm. in the Middle Ages mm-hmm. because you only have them during the growing season. So something that will grow into the winter and early in the spring mm-hmm. is really, really valuable. Yeah. Well, and I feel like greens are kind of money still. Like, yeah. If you have your own source of greens, like, those are crazy nutritious and like filling. Yeah. And if you can just grow your own, that's like, you got like half your meals figured out. Yeah. And or provide like a half lot of, of all of your meals. Not like you can't eat greens alone for a meal. No, but they <laughs> will provide a lot of vitamins and a lot of minerals. Yeah. And, 
I mean, what I was thinking of is when you don't have as much refrigeration, mm-hmm. you want to have a big patch outside your door that will grow as much of the year as possible. Right, yeah. Uh, so, yes, but, like, in this day and age when we once again have wealth gaps between the serfs mm-hmm. and the nobles who have access to food, um, it is very useful to be able to have a patch of greens that are extremely productive that you can put in a bucket on yeah. your balcony and they'll, <laughs> they'll just churn it out. Yeah, exactly. Or on your windowsill. Like, you don't have a balcony. Like, you can put some flower pots on your windowsill. Yeah. And grow them there, and they will be happy. So, coming back to the mustard seed and and the mustard-prepared condiment. Yes. (laughs) Which, like, I love love prepared condiment as a category of food. Because, like, if you look at a mustard bottle or a ketchup bottle, oftentimes Mm -hmm. it will say prepared condiment. Yeah. Which... It's just such a funny distinction from like, I don't know, unprepared condiment. I guess that must be a throwback. That must be a throwback to when you had like a lot more and variable condiments. Yeah. Or in my mind, that's just the distinction between like maybe when they started selling bottled mustard, people were a little thrown off. Mm -hmm. So they're like, it's a condiment, like what you make at home, but we've prepared it for you. Yeah. Well, it's like horseradish. When you get horseradish, it says prepared horseradish. And that to me makes sense. Sure. Because like preparing it yourself at home makes you cry great tears. Yeah. Well, and because you can buy like the horseradish root in the store. No, do you remember when I tried to do that and it just made me cry and cry and cry because it's mustard gas? Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. (laughs) So I I got curious about like different kinds of mustards because I know there's different types of mustard because I've eaten a lot of different types of mustard. But how different are they? Where do they come from originally? Like what's the sort of origin of all this? So in addition to the like Chinese mustard paste that we talked about earlier, the other kind of four main ones are the English mustard, which is the sort of... I would say the closest to the yellow mustard that you get in like a squeeze bottle mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. tends to be like colored a little extra with turmeric or mm-hmm. I suspect probably these days a lot with just yellow dye number one or whatever, Yeah, which tends to be just kind of like a, a vinegary, mustardy, direct. Yeah, very you know. acidic. Yeah. Very sharp. Yeah. Uh, then there is a, the Dijon, the French yeah. Dijon mustard, which I, I find often has a little more bitterness to it it's a little more mustardy like it tastes more like the mustard seed i'm i'm a dijon early like i grew up (laughs) i grew up with a a culturally french father and a french wannabe mother Uh, so like dijon was the mustard in our house and i still find the english mustard a little abrasive sure uh, which is very french of me but yeah it tastes more like mustard seed and less like vinegar yeah that's it that's that's i think a good distinction uh the other french mustard would be the like seedy mustard which Uh, is my absolute favorite that is if i have to choose a mustard it's the it's the old-fashioned cd mustard all day long i love it the little pops yeah texturally i like that one a lot i think flavor wise i still lean toward the the like english yellow yeah that's because you're slavic maybe yeah uh although an an interesting you know (laughs) twist there is that the other one that i was going to mention is the like german mustard or the like Mm -hmm. bavarian sweet mustard okay uh which tends to i mean you know i said it already it's sweet Uh, i love i love a good german mustard i was gonna say that you also like to eat like cucumbers with white vinegar yeah which like i've said before like i think of white vinegar as a cleaning product sure so (laughs) it cleans your tummy by being yummy 
but yeah, so so those are the kind of four other sort of main mustards that I can think of in terms of like easy to find yeah. things. You know what I just realized mm-hmm. about the last few episodes we've done? We did vinegar, we did salt, now we're doing mustard, mm-hmm. which is hot. Sure, yeah. So like I feel like we need to do fat next. Yeah. I mean, I'm being generous with the interpretation of heat here. But... Yeah, well, I was going to say like, Mustard isn't inherently it's hot. It's more like acid. <laughs> yeah. But in all fairness, there are hot mustards. Like people do make hot mustard all the time. It's true. Mustard is spicy. Like mustard is the kind of thing that our kids taste and go, it's too spicy. It's got a kick to it. It's got a kick. Yeah. It's, again, it's like back to talking about medieval spice, right? Mm-hmm. When what you have around is radishes and horseradish right. and mustard seeds. Like it's hot. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's it, right? Like it is, it's not, not a little spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, people make mustard with chili peppers. People put, you know, different heat sources in there Mm -hmm. with it. Like hot mustard is real. Yes. It's legit. It's delicious. But isn't hot mustard just with more mustards? Isn't it just more mustard making it hot? It's like hot mustard tends to be made more from like black and brown mustard seed than from yellow. Yeah. Which just have a bit more like inherent mustard kick to them than yeah. the yellow seeds do. Yeah, I'm, I rest my case. Mustard is spicy. Yeah, I had uh, there was a place I used to work had a Dijon that we made in house that was uh, like mustard with you know horseradish, and mm-hmm. it was like a very strong one that gave it a really like spicy kick. And I loved that. I love horseradish. Yeah, I know we're talking about mustard, but like I love how horseradish goes up your nose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I almost like, I almost feel like I can't talk about mustard without talking about horseradish a little bit. Yeah. Again, that's because you're very European, like (laughs) continental European. Like, I'll take it. Because, like, I can. Sure. Because I'm talking about Dijon. So what what has to be in mustard to make it mustard? Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting question because I, I think, like, really, truly, just mustard seed is the only essential ingredient like Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's really shared by every single type of mustard that people produce and sell and make as mustard and you know i talked about a binder but now i'm thinking about things like tahini and Mm -hmm. nut butters where it is actually just the oil of the seed or of the nut that creates a paste Mm -hmm. and with fresh mustard seeds that's probably also the case so Mustard seeds themselves don't have quite enough moisture in them to really, really get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I suspect that probably like old school mustard may have been a little more like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it sounds to me like that was more of a paste, right? Yeah. Than a like liquidy condiment, right? This makes me want to get my mortar and pestle and and some mustard seeds and just see what happens. Do a little experiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, Whereas like prepared mustards tend to be like mixed with either water or vinegar or you know probably other types of liquids to give them a little bit more kind of juiciness to them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but i think probably the flip side of that is like you might be able to make mustard condiment with like just the seed and one wet ingredient yeah like it might not need an extra binder beyond that because Mm -hmm. the seeds when they're ground up can be dry in and of themselves right Mm -hmm. what's in dijon i plead the fifth Actually, you waive the right to remain silent when you're like, law enforcement doesn't have the right to remain silent. So I feel like if we're being the experts. I don't like the idea of us as law enforcement, frankly. cops. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go on the record. 
Um, I, oh, 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 okay. Yeah. The current form. The form of, of curing, mustard, if you will. Is the uh, the vinegar usually used to prepare mustard is replaced with their juice, the acidic juice of unripe grapes. So it's usually mustard seeds, white wine or wine vinegar, uh, water and salt. But it doesn't have to have vinegar. It can just be like sour grape juice. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that is why I like it so much. It's also made with brown mustard seeds, which have sure. a little more heat like we were talking about. Yeah. Now, the horseradish mustard that you're talking about. Yeah. Horseradish vinegar and mustard is uh, often called Creole mustard. Okay. Um, and it's a mixture you know, because it's Creole, it's it's a blend of Spanish, French, African, and German influences. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it's really common in like the po'boy sandwiches or, mm-hmm. you know, crab cakes or anything else. Yeah. And let enough. me tell you, I don't even like crab cakes because I don't like crab. Uh, I've tried and like before anybody comes to me, I've eaten like fresh from the sea crab, <laughs> like on the seashore. It is just not for me. Yeah. But like the thought of a crab cake with horseradish to mm-hmm. me is just absolutely thrilling, even mm-hmm. though I know that in practice, I would probably be like, yuck, this crab is ruining this horseradish <laughs> for, me. for me personally. Sure, sure. But for someone who enjoys crab. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a thought I had. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I love crab cakes. Yeah. And I can confirm, like, crab cakes with horseradish sounds perfect. But, like, with it, like, incorporated into mm-hmm. the crab cake, oh, yeah. not just dipped in. Oh, yeah. Like, you add some grated horseradish to the crab meat. Yeah. Man, I wish I liked crab. <laughs> okay. I am going to drag Teffer to the nearest crab store no! and try to convert them to a crab oh, eater. so bitchy. <laughs> Pinch, pinch. And uh, while we do that, let's pop over to the mid-roll where we'll tell you how you can support the show. Hey, folks, are you enjoying the show so far? I know I am. I know I love crab. Do you love crab? Tell us about it in the comments. There's no comments on podcasts. So instead of leaving it in a comment how about you leave it in a rating and review on apple podcasts see what i did there apple podcasts rating and reviews is kind of the youtube comments of podcasts if you don't think about it too hard um while you're at it consider hitting subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode of the show for every new rating and review we get during the month of january which is almost over there's only a couple days left of john yar you could be the only review in january if you hop it's true it. get your butt in gear and get your review into the apple podcast app and for every new rating and review we get during the month of john yar we'll be donating two dollars to the depot our local food bank here in ndg was that middle english <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the depot can turn every one dollar into three dollars worth of food for a family in need so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show you're functionally donating six dollars worth of food to people who need it there's literally no other way to turn zero into six so if that math is exciting for you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode and like i said at the top of the show if you join our patreon you'll get access to our exclusive newsletter the no bad food recipe club And our Discord server, which is super fun and where people drag me with no shame. Uh, We also post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. So if you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up today at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. I promise I will not let Tom drag you off to the crab shack. (laughs) <laughs> Don't make promises you can't keep, baby. I, I just posted on our Patreon yesterday. Here's a little behind the scenes. Uh, asking folks 
to tell us about their favorite soups because I've been thinking about soup this week. Soup? Is that because I made really good soup? Yeah, it's because you made really good soup and because I've been thinking about the soup. The soup. And so no spoilers to listeners here because we're going to post about it later in the week on on Patreon, but the soup is coming. The soup. So come tell us about your favorite soup. And then we'll tell you about our favorite soup. Ooh, yeah, baby. Which actually, incidentally, mustard would probably be really good if it could be incorporated mm. in some way. Yeah. In the soup. I, mustard seeds. I might add mustard seeds honestly, to the seasoning of the soup. I was going to say you probably could get away with even just doing that. It would also yeah. be really great with mustard greens in it, actually. Yeah, yeah. What kind of soup is the soup? You'll have to find out. Ooh. Ooh stay tuned. Get spooned. The soup is my own creation. The soup is a lie. Now, if you're feeling crabby... Let me turn that frown upside down with some spicy news. Spicy news. We're just a few weeks away from the start of Munch Madness 2024, our annual food bracket tournament. And the nomination form and the preliminary voting round are now Live, Tom, how are the stats looking over at the Munch Madness brackets? Not too much has changed in terms of the statistics since the last time we updated folks. We still have Mountain Dew coming in at the top of the People's Choice category. This is blowing my mind. I did not see this one coming. (laughs) This came from behind. I, I just... I did not see Mountain Dew being the front runner. I love it. I suspect it is due to a certain person or two yeah i would not be surprised if a certain italian crime correspondent maybe has something to do with this maybe our food criminal is doing food crimes (laughs) it's very very likely (laughs) potato however is very very close behind it uh trying to take that number one seed spot away from it so we'll see what happens a strong contender a strong contender uh we still have pickle taking third at the moment uh but not too far behind potato Potato has its eyes on the prize. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, you know, it could be in a pickle if if Pickle gets a couple more votes and knocks the spud out a second, you know. Uh, And then uh, in a distant but still pretty firm fourth, we have Rice taking up the rear yeah so rice is looking like it's going to be part of the competition this year folks it's 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 looking like this will be our four for the people's choice category oh, get get rice its place in the sun folks every year people are like why isn't rice on the docket this is why put in your votes if you want to see the grain have a chance at the throne can it scale the mountain dew that that is truly the realest question. Uh, and then in our write-in category, the front runners are curry, sausages, soup, and breakfast sandwiches, each Oof, with a no fair complaints. share of the votes. Yeah, it's that's, uh, a, that's a solid bracket. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. We also have salt in a pretty prominent spot there. Okay, so, but not in the top four yet. Uh, in the top five, okay. it's close. Okay, it's okay. a close cut situation here where I could see any of these guys dropping out of the top and any of these guys bumping mm-hmm. to the top. They're mm-hmm. they're real, real close in the right in category this year. Neck and so. neck in the right in. Four necks, folks. Four necks. Uh, this is going to be the last week for you to cast your votes. So if you haven't voted yet, or even if you have. There's no, there's nobody stopping you from voting for. There's Mountain no Dew voter again. fraud in this one. You could just do crimes. <laughs> like we don't, we're not, we're not, Love. we're not the food police. You don't have to worry about gerrymandering, but you do have to worry about ballot box stuffing. All right, I don't make the rules. 
But like we're not checking for ballot box stuffing. What we're saying is ballot box stuffing will happen. Almost so. If you want a ballot box stuffed, you gotta be the one who stuffs it. Listen, sometimes you just gotta be the one who stuffs it. Stuff it. Stuff it. Stuff that ballot box. Stuff it. Stuff it full. I'm uncomfortable with where the pitch of your voice is going. Me too. All right, let's get back to the show. What do you think of the crab? <laughs> Fair enough. You dragged me. You you shoved that crab into my mouth by force. You didn't even take the shell off, Tom. Well, you know. You I, made me bite through the crab claw. I thought you needed the full experience. You made me bite through the crab, crab claw, and now I have cuts in my mouth, and I have to record another half a podcast with a cut-up mouth, and the taste of crab still lingers. The taste of crab still lingers is beautiful, poetic language. I love it. (laughs) Um, So here in the second half of the show, I thought we should talk a little bit about some of our favorite ways to consume mustard. Some some fun mustard uses we've had recently. And I have an exciting one I'd love to start out with, if you'll have it. Start out because my brain is going cursed places. Beautiful. And I make no promises. You love to plug the holes in your crab mouth with mustard. That's not where my mind was going. Fair enough. Disturbed. You have a problem. Please tell me about how you like to consume mustard. <laughs> um, so, as has been very well established, I work in an Italian restaurant and no. specialty grocer. And uh, we recently got this new product. I know, mind blowing. We recently got this new product in that is a fruit mustard or a mustard fruit. Uh, and I was really confused when I first saw the box mm-hmm. because on the box it said mustard fruit. Or mm-hmm. something to that effect. And I looked at it and I thought, that can't be right. And I asked my boss, is this just, you know, a mustard with fruit flavor in it? And he said, oh, you've never heard of this before? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's have some fun. And he cracked the box open and pulled out one of the jars and handed it to me. It is chunks of fruit. Mm-hmm. Mandarin oranges, pears, figs, um, apricot, you know. Apricot is the one that's really captured my imagination. Oh, oh yeah. me too. Yeah. For good reason. Preserved after having been, I think, poached in mm-hmm, a mm-hmm, liquid mm-hmm. that includes mustard. Mm-hmm. In like a it's like a like a spicy but also kind of sweet mustard syrup that yeah, they get yeah, like yeah, preserved yeah. in. Uh and then the idea is uh you take them out and you serve them with meat. Traditionally with meat that's kind of like cold and sad. Right. Yeah. But in modern days there's less cold sad meat. Right. So now it's more like you serve it with like cold cuts, you know, like with your with your yeah, charcuterie yeah, yeah, yeah. board. And this has been around since the 14th century. So yeah. this is like not long after the Russians brought mustard from China to the French. The French brought mustard to Italy, you know, the Roman Empire, whatever. This is how they chose to use it was to preserve fruit and mm-hmm. make a tasty, bizarre preserved fruit with it. And uh, God, it's so good. I have been known to mix grainy mustard with apricot jam. Sure. Uh, especially on like a, a cheese toast with cheddar. Sure, really sure. Good. Yeah. And so the apricot is like capturing my imagination. Like that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'm not so sure about mandarin oranges. That one's a little weird to me. The, I'm not going to lie, that was the worst one. Yeah. I tried the like figs. a piece of each. The fig was... I think the best because it's got the little crunchy fig seeds, mm. and then you got the little crunchy mustard seeds. Well, and because basically, because like, figs, uh. yeah. So, so if you can imagine, like preserved fruit in hot mustard jelly, the like 
the fruits that pair nicest with it are the ones that are naturally the least bitter. Yeah. We don't think of oranges and stuff as being bitter, but, but they, they are. they have a bitterness. They yeah, have a, yeah, a real yeah, bitterness sure. to them, especially if you preserve them like this. Yeah. So the mandarin orange was like bitter. Mm-hmm. Was it preserved with the peel or was it peeled? I believe it was peeled. Okay. I, I'm not. I, I didn't check. Okay. Uh, but I think it was. Well, because when you have like a preserved lemon, it's yeah. preserved with the peel. Yeah. This um, was like segments. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think it okay. was. Uh, presumably it was peeled if it was segments because it seems like it'd be a lot of work to like cut it without peeling it. But it sounds like it's almost like fruit preserved in syrup. Like when you have. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just crystallized some ginger this week. Yeah. So that's like you poach it and then you make a syrup with it. Well, that's it. Yeah. But with mustard. But with mustard. Yeah. And so it's like a like a savory preserved fruit instead yeah. of a sweet one. Yeah. And just incredible and yeah, yeah like definitely the 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 mandarin orange was the worst one the fig was the best and then i'd say like apricot and pear were tied for me uh-huh i think the pear is a little sweeter but the apricot has a really pleasant bitterness yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well apricot and i keep saying apricot apricot because you say apricot and i say apricot but i'm mimicking you yeah, yeah. um apricot and mustard together i find are just lovely that yeah. actually segues into one of my favorite ways yeah, to yeah, use yeah. mustard uh, which is I'm I'm sure I have mentioned this on the show before because this is one of the things that like I figured out as a teenager honestly and have used ever since. I really like honey mustard. Yep. I'm a really big fan. Sure. It, this was kind of born of necessity. I think we didn't have honey, and I wanted to do like a honey mustard type thing with chicken legs. Sure. Because uh, when I was a teenager, I made dinner for my family. A lot. This might have been the summer when I was doing all of the cooking. Sure. Yeah, yeah. With a grill outside because our kitchen was getting perfectly redone. Perfectly normal youngest child things to be 14, doing. I was 14, I think, at the time. Anyway, uh, I'm a very good cook now. But we had hot pepper jelly. Yeah. And grainy mustard. Oh, and I yeah. Mixed hot pepper je- jelly one to one with grainy mustard. Yeah. Brushed it on the chicken before grilling. Yeah. I love it like that, but I've experimented with other types of jam as well. Just mm-hmm. like, this is a necessity born recipe. This yeah. is a like, what's in my fridge to put on my chicken. And I'm like yeah, such yeah, a big totally. fan of pushing that kind of cooking. Mm-hmm. The like, if there's, if you don't have something in the recipe, replace it. Yeah. Like you don't need to go to the store to get one thing. It's okay. And apricot goes really well. Sure. Yeah. Apricot and grainy mustard and you brush it on. Uh, I think it could be really nice with pork. Honestly, I sure. think you could glaze tofu with it. Uh, and sure. that would be nice. Okay. Uh, I think there's a lot you can do with it. Um, yeah. Like seitan if you like it. Yeah. And it's just really nice and it's so simple, right? Yeah. Like it's one-to-one scoop of mustard scoop of jam um really good with with pepper jelly though if you have pepper jelly Mm. like the spice makes it the two kinds of spice working together yeah and then because of the sugars and the jam you get that beautiful glaze yeah because the sugars crystallize as you cook them god i or caramelize as you cook them yeah i cannot wait for grill season my my boss is always like Anytime I'm like, oh, I can't wait until it stops being disgusting outside so I can grill again, he he exercises his his having a deck privileges and he's like, I grill all winter. And I'm like, good for you. You have a deck. <laughs> Me, I have to roll my grill out into the alley to grill. <laughs> I think he has to buy us a house now. I think so. I think because he said that, that's his, yeah. That's it. That's the way yeah. it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of barbecues, like we can't discount mustard on a hot dog. You know, yeah, or mustard on a on a sausage, or mustard on a burger, or mustard on a burger. Although I'll say sausage, I eat with mustard. Mm-hmm. Burgers, I usually don't. Sure, fair enough. Yeah. I put both on both 
I mean, yeah. I, or I put it on both, but like, I think it, it's more essential on a hot dog. I think this is also just more my yellow mustard thing where mm. like, I'm not a huge fan of yellow mustard. I sure. really prefer French mustard. Yeah. So when I think about it as like French mustard on a burger, I'm like, yes, I love that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> <I'm just> enough. <laughs> snobby is what I'm saying. No, but I think also though, like the flip side of that is I think French mustard on a hot dog is not it. Like, I think the mustard that goes well on a hot dog is yellow mustard. Yeah. And so, like, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it, like, French mustard on a burger slaps. But French mustard on a bratwurst? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So good. When you made bratwurst that year and it was so delicious, I had that. I had every bite of that with French mustard. And it was delicious. I gotta make sausages again sometime. It was fun. It was a little stressful, but I think it'd be less stressful a second time, you know? Yeah. Yeah kids are older i'd probably do it not on a day when the kids are home maybe like tweak your medication a little bit before you do it again maybe like pick up meditating before you do it again (laughs) just do it on a day when the kids aren't home i think is the real the real thing yeah 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 one like final kind of shout out for me when it comes to mustard is deviled eggs Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And like that plays into the pickle side of it a little bit yeah. too. Cause like, I don't know about you, but I like to put a little pickle juice in my deviled egg mixture. I think I taught you how to do that. I think you must have. Yeah. 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 I think so. It was either you or Guy Fieri. So. And again, I think it was out of necessity where we didn't have vinegar, but we had pickle brine. Pickle brine is an underrated seasoning. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can use it in so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know we're not talking pickles today, but like, shout out to pickle brine. Yeah. Like, don't throw away the pickle juice. Just drink it. Do you remember last summer when I posted to my Instagram story about sitting out in the sun with a cold drink and I was just swigging from a jar of pickles? <laughs> that was one of my most popular posts I've ever made. <laughs> what? Fun things you can get by being friends with me. It was just really hot and I was really dehydrated. Listen, the electrolytes in pickle juice are something. I uh, I had a customer the other day. So this this is tangential, but like... Thinking about drinking pickle juice makes me think of the joke about getting a virgin pickle back when you go to the bar. Oh, yeah. That was my... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I'm really being like, um, I did that for you. Uh, yeah. I gave that for you. I've enriched your life. Yeah. Greatly. Well, so I had a customer the other day who came in looking for olives for martinis. Okay. And we sold him some olives, whatever. And he's like, do you know about a dirty martini where you add olive juice to the to the drink? And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I don't drink alcohol, but I would love to try a dirty virgin martini. (laughs) He said, what is that? I said, it's just olive juice. And then he gagged. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's where it came from was when, like, when we were making sure the house was sober because we had to dial that up a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, And I had gone to shout out to Lizzie's wedding which was just like a weekend of debauchery that I had not <laughs> experienced in a very long time. Really, really felt my 30s afterwards. But we did picklebacks, and I think it was my first time doing picklebacks. Definitely, like, let me say this. It was a Vegas experience that weekend. Fair enough. It was a Vegas experience. And then the next day I went hiking in the Valley of Fire. That's not the order you do those activities in. It might have been the day after. No, it was the next day. A mistake. No, it was fine. I only get hungover when I drink wine. <laughs> Pickle juice gives you all the electrolytes, so you ah, don't get hungover. There you go, folks. Drinking <laughs> tips from Teffer. But, like, if you just drink the pickle juice, you get the electrolytes and nothing to counteract them. You know, 
at sports games when they get the big the big jug of yes. Gatorade and they pour it on the coach. Yeah. It should be pickle juice. It should be pickle juice. We have strayed far from the path of mustard. Listen, we all stray far from the path of mustard once in a while. The show's over anyway. We're, we yeah. know we're at the end of it. We're at the end. They know. They've looked at their podcast app by now and been like, how many minutes is this left? How many time? How long are you guys going to banter about <laughs> drinking pickle juice? You know what? We'll do it for as long as we want Listen, to. Listen, this is our show. We'll mustard if we want <laughs> to. It's time. All right. Let's mustard up our strength and <laughs> wrap this baby up. That's it. Before we can truly wrap up, though, you know there's one last thing we got to do. There's one last thing we got to do. And that is pull a question out of the turtle's butt. And by a question, I, of course, mean a topic. So at the end of every show, we reach into the butt of the turtle and pull out a topic for our next episode. Not necessarily the next episode in the feed, but the next episode the two of us will record together when we are solo in this room. And uh, these topics come from our own minds and also from suggestions from our patrons and listeners over on our Discord server and on our Patreon. So if you want to submit topics, you know what to do. Go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. Uh, all right, Teffer, you ready? I'm going to give you up to three hints and up to three guesses to guess what the topic is for next all time. All right. Our first hint is that this is a topic that uh, I'm going to say, yeah, sounds, at the very least, sounds a lot like a word we said today. Custard. No, that's that's a lot like mustard, though. Good, good yeah, call. Yeah. Um, your second hint is that flavor-wise, I would say this is rarely anything even remotely close to custard. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a good hint. I need. Please give me a, a good real, hint. a real hint. <laughs> sure. Um, this topic is something that could be referring to like a type of dish, but could also be referring to something you might find in your spice cabinet. That might actually just be a dead giveaway. I don't know. You overestimate me. I got stuck on the rhyming thing, and now I'm just, like, saying nonsense words in my head. Just tell me what it is, please. All right, your your third and final clue is that uh, the form of this thing is, is, uh, I guess, almost stew-like sometimes, Mm -hmm. and frequently served with rice. Curry? Curry! What's the word it sounds like? (laughs) The form of curry. All right, well, that'll be fun. That will be fun. That that'll be, be fun. fun yeah that's a yeah. topic that is near and dear to my heart mine too a little bit yeah yeah, yeah i love yeah. a good curry and we like I, I think there's something fun about like exploring what that word can mean from a lot of different angles too yeah right? it's definitely like culturally rich mm-hmm. like we might have to get into a little bit of the colonialism aspect a little oh bit. man we never do that on this show no never <sighs> no 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 well, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on so that you don't miss a new episode because you want to hear us talk about curry next time, right? They do. You better want to hear us talk about the form of curry. It's the food, not the scientist. Yeah, we're not talking about Marie Curie. I don't want her to cook my food because she's radioactive. I know nothing of her form.
if you want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Caroline, Rachel, Aslam, and Anne. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including access to our Discord server and the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. You got a food you want us to shove in a turtle's butt? Join our Patreon today at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. Get a hat, get a coat, get a shirt. I think you can get a thong. I don't know. Wear us in your butt. Get a tote bag to put all your crabs in. Get a tote bag full of mustard. I don't think we can guarantee that. No, like fill it with mustard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that. Yeah, yeah. And crabs. And crabs. Put a hat on your crab. Put a hat on your crab. Your hat, your crab doesn't have a hat. Should we get a crab design for merch? Probably, huh? Did you know that I have a whole album in my phone that is just called Crab, and it's just pictures of crabs that I've found? I mean, I didn't know that, but if you put a gun to my head and told me to guess (laughs) albums you might have in your phone, I probably would guess that at some point. (laughs) Not like our kids. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Pickleback Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Dirty Virgin Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. Last but certainly not least, this show was produced by me, Tom Zalatni, and you, Tefer Jamian, and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. That's a lot less pictures in that crab album than I thought there was going to be, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, kind of fell off or something. Yeah. I don't keep you it understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Report. Set collection. Discrepancy straight line, Moth said. Meet Moth. Moth travels everywhere and every when in search of often deadly discrepancies and tries to make sense of the briefs she gets from collection. There were holes in the brief, you know. I don't like that. The Moth Collection Podcast. It's science fiction with a little bit of horror. It's weird and funny and romantic, and there won't be another season. 14 episodes, and that's it, people. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Podcavern. Five years, four seasons, two miniseries. It all comes together in the epic finale of Moonbase Theta Out. Hello again, Moonbaseians. It's just too much to keep under control here. Our position is on the moon. We are in possession of the moon bases. That is where we intend to remain and despite you. I was trying to fix things. Get your fists up, Michelle. We're going to end this one way or another. There is nowhere on the moon that you can hide. We will be visiting your position soon. This message is for Dr. Ashrini Ray and Roger Brigado Fisher. Your messages have been received, and we recognize your struggle. Let's move. We could message everyone, everywhere. What? 
did I miss? Sorry, love. It's a busy day at the end of the moon. We've been through the end of so many things, but we're still here. Moonbase Theta Out, the series finale, August 20th and September 3rd, 2023.